This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Kevin Alusala, welcome to Viral Jesus. And so I got down immediately after that conversation. This is spring break of my junior year of college in my dormitory library. And I told God, I think you're absolutely crazy, but I can't deny that you are calling me to this, or I feel some sort of tug to this. You're going to have to do this for me because I have no idea what I'm doing. And from that moment, when I said that, it was like I was sealed. There was a can of worms that opened and I couldn't close it. I knew I was supposed to do this. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. Everyone I talk to on this show is someone I follow or was told to follow online. Most of the conversations you'll hear are with people I have never met in person, yet they impacted how I think. What does it look like for Christians to enter the chat thoughtfully? Let's grow together on Viral Jesus. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. Hello, friend. It is time for part three of our three-part series, Listening to Black Creators. I am obsessed. I am obsessed with the conversation you are going to hear today with Kevin Alusala, who is a three-time Grammy winner and member of the acapella group Pentatonics. But before we get to that, are you ready for Social Toolkit? This is where we discover tips and best practices for entering the chat. In honor of Black History Month, I have been using this segment to talk about some of the unique challenges facing Black content creators. Of course, you aren't surprised to know that there are pay gaps between Black and white creators. The stat I found on HubSpot said Black influencers are paid 35% less than white influencers. There is also a lack of branding opportunities. So say a company may see a white creator and say, hey, post this and we will pay you this amount. And hey, also, why don't you come out here? We'll fly you out and we can put you in this marketing ad and see what else transpires from there. Black creators often share that they don't get to see those same opportunities. They may get paid to maybe place an ad on their Instagram. But by the way, they're getting paid 35% less than their friends, but okay. And then also, brands often aren't offering to them that same opportunity to come fly out or meet or have conversations and do brand deals that extend beyond that one Instagram post. So I just think that that disparity is important to talk about. But something else I want to bring up is algorithm bias. It has long been said, but is hard to confirm since algorithms are constantly in flux. But it's long been said that Black creators simply aren't made as visible 
as white creators through the algorithm. The idea is that two people can make the same content with the same quality and the algorithm will favor white creators over minority creators, literally just by like their faces. This idea makes sense to me because the algorithm is often just showing you what you are telling it you want to see. So if people who aren't minorities aren't interacting with non-white accounts, even if it's totally subconscious, you don't even realize that you're not doing it, it makes sense that the algorithm would then reinforce that behavior. This, of course, though, makes it harder for Black creators to gain visibility online. So here is our tool for your social toolkit today. Spend a few minutes a day seeking out Black creators, commenting on their posts, and then sharing their content. If there is algorithm bias, this small act may help correct it. Today, we sit down with three-time Grammy winner and member of the five-person acapella sensation, Pentatonix. Here is my conversation with Kevin Alusula. So I love to open the show by doing some internet sleuthing. I like stalking the people before I talk to them. Before we get to what I found of you online, you know, just very casually, before we hit record, Kevin, I said to you, hey, so where'd you go to undergrad? And you just very casually threw out what? <laughs> I went to Yale for undergrad. I'm sorry, what? Where? <laughs> I went to Yale University for undergrad. I mean, how does that feel coming off the tongue? Right? How does that feel in conversations to just be able to casually drop Yale? No big deal. <laughs> you know, it's it's been so many years. And now I just think of it as it's a part of my story. And it's the thing that I needed to do the best service that God had called me for. That was the mm. university that best prepared me for the service for what I do today uh, in a very roundabout way. But I, I realize how necessary it's been. And I'm, I'm truly thankful for the experience of having gone to Yale. And my wife went to a school very close by. So and we never like met there, which is crazy. But, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm thankful. Where did you guys meet then? Uh, we met in um, California. Um, in Los Angeles, uh, her best friend set us up at a party that she was having, uh, in Hermosa beach. And it's funny, like, you know, we thought each other was kind of cute, but we didn't really like get things off the ground probably until six months later. We were friends for like six months. I mean, close best friends, but we got our signals crossed. I thought she friend zoned <laughs> me. She thought I friend zoned her. And then she just said, look, I, I liked you. And then you never made a move. And I was like, well, hold up. Let me, let <laughs> Let's talk about this. I think you're awesome. How is a woman like you going to love an ugly duckling like me? And then she was like, let's try dating. And then literally within that next year, we were engaged. It was just so quick. Yeah. Dream girl, Grammys. Kevin, I want to know what your prayer life is like. We're going to get there. <laughs> Show me the favor that the Lord has bestowed on you. Okay. Oh, As so what, Here's what I found. This is from your Instagram. Yeah. You posted this, as a musician, I am not in competition with anyone else to be number one. If I focus on my unique talents, then I am working to be the only me. Tell us a little more about that. 
I'm so glad you found that. You know, my truest belief is that God has made every single person to be a one of one. Every single mm. person has a unique fingerprint by the most high king. And so because of that, there is a unique frequency, if you will, just because I'm a musician, a unique frequency of love that each person is supposed to give off. Me with my frequency may hit certain types of people than another person. And we may be saying the same message. It's just my frequency hits the ear of somebody else in a certain way that they can actually hear it compared to somebody else. So I think if we focus on our unique frequencies, it will create a compound frequency that helps get people to see the glory of the king whom we love and whom we adore. And that means we're not in competition with anybody. I think so many times people are like, oh, well, this person sounds like this and that and the other. It's like, well, what if I just sound like me and not think about the competition? You may find the, the road that God has actually called you on. That is really beautiful. And I wonder if your music background, it just made my brain think of things in a totally different way because mm. you can hear the most beautiful note right? But it's really in the notes coming together that we yeah. create music. And that is what God is calling us to do as human beings. And you putting it in that way of frequency really just struck me in a different way. Mm, that, that really means the world. Yeah. I think every single person has something that God has called them to do. Hmm. I, I, it's our job to keep running to the father, you know, not just in terms of, Hey, finding the vocation, but like, what is it that I do that when I connect to God with, through, through this, I feel the most alive because I know I cannot do this in my own strength. I have to do this in partnership with the King, which I believe is the way that God designed life to be in partnership with, not mm -hmm. alone. There's a lot of things we can do on our own strength, but you're not going to get the true full weight of it unless you partner with the king and he can show you how it's done. Do you know what it feels like to try to do things in your own strength, to be able to juxtapose the difference of what happens when God comes alongside you? Because when you just said that, I know exactly what you're talking about. For sure. I think all of us do. I think, uh, you know, there are times I have my ego come up and I think, oh, I've got this. And then I realize, oh, you know what? That was good. It wasn't God. Mm. And there are so many times I see this was very good, but it wasn't God because I didn't put my full weight on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Maybe a mm. performance, maybe something I spoke about just didn't have the full weight because I believed I had it. And I want everything I do now to have the potency of the King so that not even I give, but God through me gives what people truly yes. need, which is the love of him so that they can see him more clearly. It's just that time, right? Like, I just feel like we are living in a cultural moment. And I mean, I hope everybody has felt this way in the past. I'm not going to make a special, but for me, I just feel like, man, the world needs the potency that only God can give through oh. the co-labor with humanity. And I just tell people, I don't feel like I have the luxury anymore of missing that mark. Mm -hmm. Not once you actually experience what happens when you see God work with you and really impact somebody, man, I don't have the luxury anymore to miss something like that. A hundred percent. I fully agree. Uh, you know, my, my co-host for my podcast, Imagine Faith Talk, he and I have this phrase for success, this formula, and we believe it's personal alignment plus self-development 
times faith. Mm. There's a lot of things that we are called to do, what we have to be radically responsible on our own. That is understanding who we are, aligning ourselves with the king. What is the king's thoughts about life? So we have kingdom culture within us to give to the world and the discipline that we have to develop, right? That is our works, if you will. And I'm not talking about salvific. I'm talking about this continual development process to, to be more like the king. Mm. But then there's this faith part that we can't do. That's the radical responsibility upon the king. And this gives us opportunity if we trust him to rest upon him so that when things happen, not in our own strength, we're not getting to tell people, oh, well, I just did A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We get to say, I couldn't yes. have done this. I did my part, but let me tell you about the king that opened doors in a way that I couldn't so that I could still have, for example, my sanity. I didn't have to grind 24-7. I didn't have to do things the yes. world told me to. And I still have the success that God has called me for, but through his means and through his methods. I think a lot about, for example, when Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days, right? The devil is telling him, hey, bow down, worship me. I'll give you all this. The thing is, Jesus had the faith to know that all this is already mine. The difference is I have to pay the full price, the full mm. weight of what was already mine. But it makes it that much more potent and it makes it that much more valuable because he paid the full weight of it. So that's why I think there's this radical responsibility and this radical uh, reliance that we have to have to be able to see God truly at work in a way where he gets to truly be glorified in a way that we can't do it on our own. When you were saying pay the full weight of it, I was thinking, I, I listened to this Bible Project episode where um, Tim Mackey was talking about how the word glory in the Hebrew actually translates to heavy. Ooh! And so even as, right, as you're saying, we have to pay the full weight. That is how we step into glory. Oh, right. The wow. glory of God that is set before us. Okay. There's so many things I want to talk to you about. And we've, <laughs> we've, in some ways we've brushed them, right? Because you're setting the stage, even if you don't realize it for the people who are listening about how God has done things that you could not have done for yourself. Talk to us about your story in how you have now ended up as a Grammy winner. Like how did pentatonics, all of this stuff, where did it start with a viral video for you? How did all this happen? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, let's go even farther back. Okay. The thing is, right, when God calls people, it's sometimes into territories that are foreign to them, right? We see that with Abraham. We see that with Moses. We see that with Gideon, oh man of mighty valor. God, uh, but wait, God, I'm not that person. But it's like, that's that's what I have called you for. I never wanted to be a musician. Wait, no. I had no plan nor care to be a musician mm. for my career. I was going to be a doctor. That's what I wanted to do. That's why I went to Yale. That's why I went to boarding school. I, I just had this feeling for myself that this is what I was supposed to do, especially mm. with the kind of cultural background I came from. My dad's from Nigeria, who's a doctor. My mom's yep. a nurse from Grenada. So immigrant parents coming to the United States, they really want their mm -hmm. children to have such stable, prestigious careers because mm -hmm. it also makes the, the, the weight of what mm -hmm. they've gone through to get here so worth it. So that's why, you know, I worked hard to get to Yale and, and do my studies. And then God 
turned it around in a way where he said, look, I, I understand all this that you're doing, but I've actually called you a completely different purpose. A few things happened in mm -hmm. college that made me realize God was calling me to music. One was Yo-Yo Ma, who had heard me do this thing that I started to develop called cello boxing. And I did this competition that I got second place in. And he said that my music was inventive and unexpected. And then I got to open for KRS-One, who's one of the grandfathers of hip hop at Southern Connecticut State University with a friend who was rapping. And KRS-One said, I think that if you continue to do this classical hip hop mix with the cello and beatboxing, I think you're gonna change the way people see both of these genres. So for me, it was two people at the highest echelons of what they do, at completely opposite sides of the musical spectrum telling me something similar. And that's when I started to feel the tug in my heart. And I said, God, I don't know what to do with this because this is completely different from the plan I had for my life. And I met with a friend of mine who was MD, PhD, and also mm -hmm. a Nigerian. So he understood culturally what I was going through and my kind of professional dilemma. And he said, look, music is something that you have to try right now while you're young, you're 20 years old, if you feel this call, you can always go back to medicine if you want. So he kind of helped me understand that there was a plan B in place and that it was okay to have that plan B. And for me, that gave me full confidence to say, you know what, I'm just gonna try music with all of my heart and all my soul. And so I got down immediately after that conversation. This is spring break of my junior year of college in my dormitory library. And I told God, I think you're mm -hmm. absolutely crazy but I can't deny that you are calling me to this, or I feel some sort of tug to this. You're gonna have to do this for me because I have no idea what I'm doing. And from that moment, when I said that, it was like I was sealed. There was a can of worms that opened and I couldn't close it. I knew I was supposed to do this. Not necessarily professionally, but it was like the okay from God to go onto this path. Now, what you were talking about with pentatonics, after a year living in China, I came back having developed this cello boxing a little bit more. And in my senior spring, I had a video that went viral of me playing cello and beatboxing. And this is where I talk about the radical reliance and responsibility. I think I did the work that I was supposed to do with cello boxing, mm -hmm. but the rest of this that I'm about to tell you is complete radical reliance in God doing something that I could have never done on my own. The video goes viral in April of 2011. I had a lot of calls from New York Times who wanted my next big piece that I put online, lots of other things that, that they wanted my services. And to me, I'm just like, uh-oh, I just need to finish my senior essay because I haven't even done it now because of all this craziness, right? <laughs> but then two big opportunities came. One was with a group called Gunger, who was opening for, Yeah, you, you, you know, Gung, I love them, yes. they're close friends. They were about to open for uh, the David Crowder band on their last tour, the seven tour. And so I said, hey, if you need my services, I understand you're calling for me. You think that I'm the person that's supposed to be on this tour with you guys. When is the tour? And they said, it'll be from end of September of 2011 to mid November. Remember those dates. Okay. And then one of my bandmates had found the video that was going viral and DM'd me, this is Scott, and said, hey, I'd love to think about you joining our band. We have four beatboxers that we've gone through, but none of them fit what we need more than you. So mm. we would love for you to be a part of it. So I flew down after I graduated two weeks later to meet them the day before the audition of the TV show that we were on called The Sing Off 
which was an acapella competition on NBC. I remember watching this. Oh, yeah? I'm almost positive that <laughs> I saw you on the sing-off. Yes. Oh, man. It, it was such a great experience. But we, we applied for this. I didn't realize the competition was steep. I just kind of went in and did my role. Didn't know much about it. Day before the audition, we auditioned. We find out that we make one of the 16 spots. So I ask, when is the taping of this TV show? How does this work? They said it'll go from end of July to if you make the final three, mid-September. And then mm. we're going to air the TV show until the final three finalists come back at the end of November. Mm. That timing was perfect. Wow. I couldn't have done that. I, I didn't yeah. know that these were going to fit like a puzzle piece. So I do exactly that. I do the TV. Okay, wait, 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 Kevin. Yeah. When you find out the timing, are you saying, oh my goodness, this is a God thing? Or is it something you put together later? I thought about it. I go, this is kind of weird. But okay. I mean, winning a TV show, acapella, I was so new to this. I didn't think anything was going to come from any of this. <laughs> Well, then as I go through all of it, I go, oh, my gosh, this timing was perfect. I didn't know that we were going to make it to the final three, let alone win. And then mm -hmm. while we're on the TV show, I'm on tour learning the right and ritual of tour, which was going to be a massive part of my career. It just was so uncanny. And God had the plan set himself. And so that's how I know, OK, God, I'm giving this to your hands. You fully have a plan better than I could ever expect it. I trust you. That's the faith and the works coming together in fruition. This episode is brought to you in part by World Relief, an organization that partners with the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Around the world, increased conflict, the lingering effects of COVID-19, and disasters caused by our changing climate have left millions of people in desperate situations. Many are fleeing their homes and are facing starvation, persecution, and more. These overwhelming challenges cause many of us to wonder, can I make a difference? The answer is simple. Yes, you can. When you join The Path, World Relief's monthly giving community, you partner with World Relief in bringing hope and transformation to the millions experiencing vulnerability around the world. And when you partner with your monthly gift by September 30th, your first year of monthly gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Double the impact of your giving and visit worldrelief.org slash viraljesus today. Talk to me about what your spiritual life was like before you see this God intervention in the music way, because maybe there were times that you saw God intervening in your life before that. I'm curious for the person who's listening right now that hasn't had the bigger God moment right yet, but they are feeling tugs and they're saying, I'm not sure, is this God? And I just think it's wild how often as we go through our lives, and we're experiencing things that later are going to be stories we're going to tell over and over and over. You have no idea while you're living it 
what's happening, right? You're thinking, is this happening? Is Should I be paying attention to this? And then later you realize this was God the entire time. Talk to me about kind of like before the music, what is your spiritual life like? Are you paying attention to the hand of God over your life in this way? That's a really good question. I always had a sense of God. I grew up in church. I grew up understanding and learning about the Bible. But obviously as a kid, you're still trying to also understand, I want to play with my friends. Sure, my friends do things differently than maybe what I see in the Bible, but I still want to be cool. I still want to be liked. So I'm still having all of these same conversations. But I think the thing that I learned was the bigger God moments, yes, those happen. But the thing that's really the daily ritual of being with God, that is the meat of the Christian walk. Mm. And it's only when you look in retrospect that you'll start to see things that were the hand of God. So for me, I I really do think about what Jesus says, like focus on the day to day. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Seek me every single day and let me take care of the rest. You'll see throughout your life where my hand has been, Mm -hmm. but it's a daily trust and that's what faith is, right? Faith is the evidence of seeing things not seen yet hoped for. So God, I hope for you. Not everything that comes with you, I, I want you and you'll take care of the rest. It's still my day-to-day walk because there's still crazy things that happen. Only when I look back, I go, oh, when I was worrying about this and complaining about this and thinking about this, God had something already prepared, but I would have never seen that if I didn't stay the course of the day-to-day mm. walk. What does your spiritual life look like day-to-day? It's a really good question. Every single day I start off, there's this one part of my house um, by the window seal, and it's me listening to very meditative music with God. And honestly, I call it sanctuary time. Mm -hmm. I imagine myself in the throne room of God and just speaking to him. Just like, Lord, you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. How holy and worthy is your name? Like, Who am I to be a son of the king and how that you want to have relationship with me? So it's just Mm. like really visualizing that time and reading the Bible and just writing and journaling my thoughts to him. And then, you know, it's somewhat like the Daniel thing where, you know, three times a day he found other times where he got to spend time. As I go throughout my day, I do try to find spaces where just he and I have more alone time. Mm. You know, I have this place in my house also this backyard view. It's really beautiful. You get to see the Santa Monica mountains and just try to sit and be present with the King. Um, I've kind of gone through this thing where I I don't, I don't want to do things because I get the blessings of God. I want to do things because I get God. Yep. God is the blessing. He is Mm -hmm. the blessing, not, not the other stuff. It's, it's him. Um, And so that, that's kind of my focus. And then obviously teaching my children, like that's, you know, it's to have a daughter and it's such a blessing to be able to to speak to her about Jesus. She's two and a half and try to teach her in small ways. That is that is so helpful to me because I learn about the father through my fatherly role. Did you ever, like when you were saying to yourself, oh, okay, I think I'm supposed to do something in this music thing. At what point does like the Grammys become a reality for you? Mm. At what, like, even as you're on the show, you're like, hey, this is going well. Okay. Now I'm on tour. Like at what point do you start to realize, whoa, we've tapped into something that is actually very culturally significant with pentatonics? You know, so when we first started, I think thing that people don't know is that we actually got dropped from our label immediately after we won the TV show. So we didn't actually think that this was going to be a long-term thing. 
I think we just knew that we had something very special and that we said, let's move to LA and try it for, for a while and just see what happens. So after we got dropped, we moved to LA and started putting up YouTube videos and things started to kind of move through YouTube you know, had a first tour that went well. We started doing collaborations with other artists like Lindsey Sterling. From that one video, we went from 400,000 to 4 million subscribers yeah. in 2013. But the Grammys, I don't think that really was of real significance to our lives until we put out this piece called Daft Punk in 2013. Mm. And that went viral. And there was a new arrangement category in the Grammys that got created. And so that's how we got nominated in that category. We were like, this is wild. Like us, like we're, wow. we just feel like five musicians, nerds that just love music for music, not for the sake of the glory and the, you know, of the music industry. So it was just very, very cool to be nominated and therefore win. <laughs> this is true. My family at the holidays always plays pentatonics. We put it up oh. like on the big screen and, every, and it's just like playing because it's so good. And my sister's always like, quiet, quiet, quiet. This is my favorite part. I mean, you guys do such incredible and creative stuff. So really, really well done. What would you say to a person who right now, they're a really good musician, they're putting their time in, but they feel like they have zero connections, zero network, zero resources. Where would you tell them to start? I would say that their resource is the king. I had mm. zero connections, zero. <laughs> there, I, there is no way. I always tell people, there is no way I should be here. Like mm. there, there shouldn't be a way. But the thing that I focused on, I, I think once again, this unique frequency, I, I think there's a lot of times that people feel like they're going to try to do what somebody else did as a blueprint mm. to be successful. And I'm not saying that their blueprint isn't beautiful, but you have to figure out what is unique about you. And yeah, it's a little bit scary because now you're putting out something that maybe people haven't seen and people go, I don't understand this and I don't know why I should be using this. That's how I felt about cello and beatboxing. I was like, nobody understands that. Like, I've never seen anybody do this. This is tarnishing classical music. Why would I put mm. this gritty beatboxing to 400 years of pedagogy? But when I did that, that's when I started to see this type of success because I just doubled down on what I thought I uniquely did, not what I saw everybody else do. And so I would just say focus on what's unique and utilize the tools around you to get your name out there in a way where people can see the beautiful frequency that you have to offer this world. Do you have any practical tips about how somebody could figure out? And, and it, these are like larger than life questions, right? Of Everybody course. says this. How do I know my purpose? How do I know my calling? Why am I here? Is there any way that you would explain to somebody how to answer those types of questions? That's a really good question. It's something that I think about so often because like, if I use the context of my life, I feel like God had slapped me in the face to say, mm -hmm. hey, I'm calling you to this and I know it's unlike everything that you know. Like The purpose of your life may be completely different than how you're feeling in the moment, may be completely mm. different than something you see. And that's okay as long as you're trusting God. Um, I also think just once again, daily conversation with God, daily conversation with mentors that you see, that see things yeah. in you that you maybe don't see. Once again, it was the mentorship of people that saw things that I never saw, which helped awaken. Mm. I feel like this God desire to be able to serve him in a completely different way. So those are the things that I would say. And once again, there are things that you do that are just 
I know you, and I know people either know them or they're searching for them or they don't even realize it's their gift. Whether the way you serve people, people go, oh my gosh, your hospitality is just unbelievable. Or, hey, when you do this type yeah. of riff on in music, like I've never really heard that before. I think pay attention to those things because that'll help you create the data that you need to figure out, I would say, a life's walk. Karen Swallow Pryor, we had her on the show many times, but something that I love that she said is a calling comes from the outside. Mm. You are quite literally, it is an external source, not an internal one that calls you. And what she says is pay attention exactly like you just said to people, teachers or cousins or family who are saying to you, hey, this is really good, or this is a sweet spot for you. And I just think we overlook those things sometimes because maybe it's my friend. Who, it's not Yo-Yo right. Ma who's saying it, right? And so we overlook it, but how do we pay attention to the people that God has placed in our hand that have been guiding us and walking with us on this journey? You couldn't have said that better. I, I got nothing. I got no notes. That was it. Cool. Thank you very much. <laughs> So was your family supportive of you when you, before all the doors were opening, when you said to them, I think I'm being called to do music. How did that conversation go? Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> that was okay. very tough. Okay. You know, my, my dad, I, I, I'll say it like this. I remember um, it was 2012. My dad saw the apartment that I was living in, $632.50 a month, where all of us were living. And he comes and visits me and he leaves. And I, and I get this text from him saying, I, I sent you to the best schools. I spent so mm. much money. I busted, you know, my, my tail off to make sure that you could have everything. And so to see you here really hurts me. You sure you don't want to mm. reconsider. And I, like I said, I, I understand where he's coming from. But I just knew that there was something different once again and unique about the way we did acapella. And I said, I need to at least see this through. I need to. And once again, I still have a plan B medicine's still a plan yeah. B. So it gives me the permission to at least see the full life of this out. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it's so funny now on the other side, when I remember my dad, we went to the Grammys together. This is the second Grammy that we win. <laughs> and, we're performing That's the Way of the World to Earth, Wind, and Fire with Stevie Wonder. And then yeah. we give Ed Sheeran his <laughs> Grammy for Song of the Year. And then I sit next to my dad and he's like, oh, congratulations on your Grammy. When are you going back to medical school? And I'm like, "What? did you not just see what happened, Dad? Like, come on. And he was laughing. He's like, oh, no, congratulations. I'm joking, man. You're good. You're good. You're, you're doing great. You're feeding yourself. Oh, my gosh. There's something I want to point out in that, though, to the person that's listening, because I think sometimes we think if God is calling me, then it will be confirmed in every single source. And from my life, and you just heard it from Kevin, that's not always true. There might be people who you love and admire and who you respect in Christ that for whatever reason, God doesn't reveal it to them. And I think it's about trust in your relationship with God. Will you be faithful to me and walk this out? Even if your dad, who I'm sure is like the biggest role model 100%. in your life, how do I do what God is calling me to do over what my dad is saying? That is, I just think that that is something that often happens with people. 
And so I want you to be aware it doesn't mean that God isn't calling you. I would just get many other opinions. That's what I would say. (laughs) Get as much counsel as you can get. What are you working on right now? What do we need to be on the lookout for? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, band's always working on new stuff constantly, which is beautiful. Uh, You know, we're thinking about how do we do stuff even outside of just the normal touring recording that people get to see us and what we do best, you know? So that I'm really excited Mm -hmm. for. This already came out, but we have a movie coming out this Christmas called Meet Me Next Christmas with Christina Milian, who's executive producing and is all part of the movie. So that's really, really exciting. And then all of us are working on different projects. I'm working on a solo project, which has been super, super fun for me. Yes! kind of blending my worlds of classical and popular styles more and more with song and instrumentation. So that's been a really fun project. You know, you see me in the studio. That's literally what I was working on before we got on this call. So I'm just excited and just focusing on the family. We were touring all last year for almost seven months. So it's it's been so nice to be rooted and grounded and be able to be a, to be a force in my, my daughter's life. Kevin Alusula is a member of the three-time Grammy award-winning group Pentatonix. Kevin, the show is called Viral Jesus. What do you think it means to be a Christian when we are online? Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't prep him for that, y'all. I wanted to see what the, <laughs> the natural reaction was. You know, it it, it is about showing the true heart of the Father. Hmm. And I say this with love, where it's like with our different flavors, because the thing is, God, I think, works through culture, through the Mm -hmm. African culture, through Indian culture, through Chinese culture, through all of our different cultures. We get to show the beauty of the king. So I think it's about being authentic to who you are, who God's called you to be, but rooted in the heart of the father. So people go, that is beautiful. What an amazing testimony, story, personage. I'm attracted to this person. Why am I attracted? And hopefully Mm. through that, it starts a conversation about who Jesus is. I just want to say, friends listening, I asked for this interview by sliding into Kevin's DMs (laughs) on Instagram, which I very rarely do. And I am just so grateful that I did. And I'm so grateful that you said, yes, this conversation was, I am not just saying this. It was so much better than I even hope oh, wow. it would be. And I just know it's going to be so fruitful for people who are listening. So Amen. thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. This is an absolute pleasure. And I just, I just pray that, you know, we continue to make Jesus viral. Truly. What a great tag for us. Thank you. You're welcome. What can we learn from my conversation with Kevin Alusala? Number one, Kevin says, all you need to do is spend time with the Lord. Don't work harder. Don't worry about how this is going to work out. Don't worry about how to get yourself where you think you need to be. Don't worry about how the resources are going to come in. Just take time every single day to be with God. And I love what he pointed out, not because we want God's blessings, but because we realize that being in the presence of God is the blessing. Number two, there may be times when God will not reveal the plan that he has revealed to you, to every single person you seek counsel from. That doesn't mean God isn't leading. It may mean that God is inviting you to trust him 
to trust your relationship and to trust his voice, to trust your instincts. Number three, God is still in the miracle working business. If you did not hear that in Kevin's story, I don't know what else to tell you. God is still in the miracle working business. I'm going to say it one more time because I know that there is somebody right now who needs to hear it. Friend, in the situation you are sitting in right now, that looks like it's never going to make sense or just looks like you are so under-resourced, God is still in the miracle working business. God is still opening doors you could never have even dreamed of. God is still putting streams in deserts. And I want you to hear Kevin tell you that. And I want you to hear me tell you that God is still in the business of miracles. Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Next week, we are sitting down with Paul Kicks to talk Martin Luther King Jr., history, and Selma. I'll see you next week for another conversation where a Viral Jesus guest talks. And you and I listen so we can learn. I love growing with you on Viral Jesus. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip.